Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Let's read Revelation chapter 1. We read verses 4 to 6. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirit which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth and unto him that loves us and has washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So what we are doing now is we are taking a closer look at the concept of temple in creation story. And we said that God rules in his kingdom by covenant from the temple. Adam and Eve, what was their commission? So from what we have said so far, what was the commission that God gave to Adam and Eve? Number one, as priests, they serve in the Eden garden. They have communion with God. And this is why God will come in the cool of the day and have a, a fellowship with them because they can only rule. They are royal priesthood. They can only rule out of the temple. They can only rule through their priesthood. And this is very, very important. So as priests, they serve in the Eden Garden Temple. And as king and queen, their assignment is as God's image. Like we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth, to subdue it, to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So as king, they are to rule as God's image to fulfill Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Okay. The reason why they can fulfill Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 is because of Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, because they were created in the image of God and after his likeness. And therefore, they can rule as king and as queen to fulfill that assignment that God gave them in chapter 28, which is to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth and to subdue it. So they have two pronged commission. And both of them are connected. And this is very, very important. There is a royal priesthood. It's a royal priesthood. And that is why we read that Revelation chapter 1 that we've just read. He has made us priest and king unto his father. As God's vice regent, they were to reflect God's kingdom on earth and then extend the geographical boundary of the Eden Garden until it covers the whole earth. And this is very, very important. It's very, very important that when God created the, 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 the universe and then came onto the earth and created all those things that we saw in Genesis chapter 1 and then created man as priest and king, the desire of God is that is man and his woman. And as his vast regions, as king, they will rule under God. They will reflect God's kingdom on earth and they will extend the geographical boundaries of this temple, this Eden Garden temple. They will extend the presence of God. They will extend the rule of God until it covers the whole earth. In other words, they, Adam and Eve, and their progeny are to complete the world God created in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And this is very, very important. God set the stage 
as it were. You can say that God ran the first leg. God did what we cannot do because God is God. And God put his man in his temple, in the garden, in Eden. And God created them to be his vast region. And they and their children after them, they are to move forward. They are to complete the work that God started to do, the work that God started to do in creation that we've read in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 as God's priest and as God's king. They are to move that forward into the whole world. J.K. Beale in the book, The Temple and the Church Mission, he said God's ultimate goal in creation was to magnify his glory throughout the earth by means of his faithful image bearers inhabiting the world in obedience to the divine mandate. Now let's establish it, establish that by reading a couple of scriptures. Psalm 115 verse 16, the heaven, even the heavens are the laws, but the earth has it given to the children of men. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18. For thus said the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He had established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. Praise the Lord. When God was creating the universe, the, God has this plan. And that is the plan that we have summarized, that God's ultimate goal in creation was to magnify his glory throughout the earth by means of this faithful image bearer. And that is why Psalm 115 verse 16 says that the heavens and the heavens of heavens are the Lord, but the earth he has given to the children of men. He has created this earth and put his man and his woman there so that it can be inhabited, so that they can complete, so that they can we can move forward the plan and the purpose of God in obedience under his divine mandate. So today, we want to ask ourselves that question again. What exactly defines the temple in the Bible? We have seen that Eden was it. The whole creation was a temple. Eden was a temple. And we have gone through all that in the last teaching. So what defines the temple in the Bible? Because oftentimes when we talk about the, the temple, we have a different idea, you know, totally. What defines the temple in the Bible? Is it a building? Is it the temple workers? Is it the process that goes on in the temple? What defines the temple? Remember, we have seen that the temple is where the presence of God is. The temple is where the image of God is. The temple is the nerve center of the kingdom. The temple is where the worshiper goes to meet with God. And what we will see as we move on, and this is why it is very, very important for us to be able to answer that question clearly. What exactly, what exactly defines a temple in the Bible? When we understand that and we have seen it, that what defines a temple in the Bible is God's presence. The temple is where the presence of God is. When we understand that, as you read the Bible, you will see that in the Bible, there are only piece of geography, geography or sacred area that are considered to be true sanctuary or temple that did not necessarily have any architectural building that is constructed there. When we understand that the temple is not the building, the temple is not the temple because of the building. The temple is not the temple because of the worker in the building. The temple is not the temple because of the process. Now, the building is important. The 
people that work in the temple is important. The prayers is important. But the temple is the temple because the pre- because of the presence of God. At the beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible, in the creation story and in the book of Revelation, as we round up this, the, the, the Bible, you will see that the temple was not defined by a structure. And it is important for that for us to understand that because that has been a hindrance to many, many, many of us. We need to understand that in, in the Bible, yes, as we go through the story of the children of Israel, we, there was a building, absolutely. But we need to understand that from the beginning and the end of the scripture, the, 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 the temple was never defined by a structure. We have looked at the temple in creation and in the garden of Eden. But let us now look at the end of the Bible, okay? And let us see whether it bears witness to what we are saying. Now, come with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 22 and 23. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city has no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Hallelujah. And this was the vision that God gave to John. This is at the very end of the Bible. This is Revelation chapter 21. <laughs> and then we have Revelation chapter 22, and that is the end of it. I mean, when you read the book of Revelation, it does talk about the temple. It does talk about hearing voices in the temple, God speaking in the temple. But here he said, I saw no temple. What is he talking about here? He's talking about no structure, no you know, wall, no stone. I saw no temple, just like at the beginning in the book of Genesis, chapter one, chapter two, we're talking about Eden being a temple. We're talking about creation being a temple. And that can be, that can be a stumbling block to some people because when you think about the temple, you are thinking about the building. No, when you read the scripture, you will see that from the beginning and the end of the scripture, the temple was not defined by a structure. The, de- the temple is only defined by the presence of God. And the communion that God has with his people, that is what defines the temple. Now, that can take place in a real architectural building called sanctuary, or that we call today church. Let us understand that that building is the temple, not because of the structure, not because of the men and women that serve in the building, but because of the presence of God. And that is why we have to be careful that we, that minister, you know, in at the altar, we don't become a stumbling block. It's not about us. It's not about the process. It's not about us. It's not about our own agenda. It's about the presence of God. That is what makes the temple the temple. And also when we understand that, we will begin to understand that we don't necessarily need a building to experience the temple. And this is very, very important that in the early church, they have churches in the house, household, you know what we call today cells, house, house, house fellowship or house cells. And in Old Testament, the patriarch, they will build a tent where they encounter God. So we have stories in the Old Testament over and over and over again where we have temple activity going on that were not necessarily in a building. Now, it is, under, it is important for us to establish that because the kingdom work is done in the temple, in the temple, and flow from the temple. 
Does that mean that it has to be done in a physical church? No, because you and I, if you are born again, the Bible says you are the temple of the living God. And that means that the kingdom activities can be done in you and through you, can be done in me and through me. Or that means that in your home, the Bible says that wheresoever two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. In your home, in your sitting room, in your bedroom, or maybe in your workplace, maybe on the street, wheresoever two or three, that is what defines the temple of God. But let's go back to the Old Testament, Petrarch. Okay, so when we look at the story of the Old Testament fathers, you will see that they have this encounter with God. And oftentimes it is what we'll call theophanies. Okay, they will have an encounter with God. They will have an encounter with the presence of God or with the person of God (laughs) or with the angel of God. And then they will realize, wow, this is the house of God. And they will build a tent there. That is a type and a picture of sanctuary and temple. A picture of sanctuary and temple without stones, without walls. For example, Jacob, we see that example in Jacob, isn't it? Jacob in chapter 28, when he was running away from his brother, he has taken his brother's bat right and the boy was mad at him and then he ran off, running away from his brother. Genesis chapter 28, verse 11, the Bible says that he stayed all night in a place. He's been walking, he's been walking all night. He needed to rest. He stayed all night in a place. And verse 12 says that he had a dream. And verse 13 tells us that the Lord appeared to Jacob in a dream and the Lord spoke to him. And verse 13 says, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, because he saw this dream, he saw this ladder that came from heaven to earth. And the Lord stood above the ladder and the Lord spoke to him. So I will read Genesis chapter 28 verse 13, and behold, the Lord stood above it, that's above the ladder, and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. Wow, wow. And that was what was going on, but it is the reaction of Jacob after all this event that I want you to see. So let's take this story up from verse 16. Let's take it up from verse 16, and we're going to read from verse 16 to verse 19. And Jacob awake out of his sleep. So he's had the dream, he's had the voice, he's had this encounter with God. This was Jacob's reaction. And Jacob awake out of his dream, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillow and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon it, upon the top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at first. Wow. Now, this is very, very important. There is something deep that is going on here. Jacob had an encounter with God. This was a temple manifestation. Here, Jacob said, this is the house of God. And that word Bethel actually means the house of God. Bethel is the house of God. Where is the house of God? The house of God is where you have an encounter with the presence of God. Jacob had an encounter. This was a temple experience. This was where the presence of God is. It was not in a building. It was running. It was in an open field. But he says, surely the Lord is in this place. Now, God is everywhere present. But there are places that God is specially. 
they are sacred places throughout the scripture. They are places that God manifested himself in a special way. And in you, if you are born again, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has decided to manifest himself in you specially. So you have become the temple of God. And when two or three of God has gathered together, he is there. We are individually and we are as a body, the temple of God. So Jacob had this encounter with God and he said, but this is the house of God. This is Bethel. And what do you do in Bethel? What happened in the house of God? The presence of God is there. What happened in the house of God? What happened in the temple of God? We have an encounter with him. We have communion with him. We have fellowship with him. Hallelujah. We, we listen to him. We worship him. We obey him. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that was what was happening here to Jacob. And what we are saying here is this is the way that God carries out his kingdom service, his kingdom assignment, his kingdom work. And that is what we see here in the story of Jacob. It is not the building that defines the temple. Rather, it is the presence and the name of God that defines the temple. The temple is where God put his name. And what must happen in the temple is kingdom work. Kingdom work. That is what must happen in the temple. Kingdom worship. Kingdom service, kingdom work, kingdom operation. That is what must happen. In the, in the temple, we are taken over by the king. In the temple, we are, you know, the psalmist said, one thing have I desire, and that will I seek after, that my, I may dwell in the house of God. Though behold his beauty, to inquire in his temple. In the temple, there is only one throne. In the temple, there is only one king. We are his vice regent. We are his representative. In the temple, we seek forth the kingdom of God and his righteousness and every other thing will be added unto us. A building is a true temple of God only to the degree to which the name and the presence of God is there. It's not about our edifices. No, there's nothing wrong in the edifices, but it's not about the edifices, it's about the presence of God in that. So we should not, and this is very, very important, we should not exchange the presence of God for the edifice. You remember what the devil was trying to do for the Lord Jesus? He said, worship me and I will give you what you need. We should not trade God's presence to have edifice. We should never Trade God's presence for the building. We should never take, trade God's presence for the process. We should never take, trade God's presence or confuse God's presence for the man or the woman of God. It is all about God. And this is exactly what we see in the tent of Moses. This is exactly what we see in the temple of Solomon. It is the presence of God that defined those buildings. The tent and the temple is the presence of God that defines them as what? As the temple. But unfortunately, the presence of God left in the time of Eli. We saw that. And in the time of our Lord Jesus Christ, the building was still there. The, 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 the priests were still there. The Bible says that Eli's eyes was becoming dim. When we read 1 Samuel chapter 3 and chapter 4, it concluded when the wife of Phineas was pregnant, the children died, 
They took the Ark of Covenant to war. The Ark of Covenant was captured. Why will it not be captured? Because the glory has departed. The presence of God that makes the glory, that, that identify, you know, that building as the presence of God, it was gone. The presence of God that identified that building as God's temple and identified the heart as the representation of that presence, it was gone. So they captured the Ark of Covenant. And when the story came, the man of God fell back and died. Her, his, his daughter-in-law was pregnant. She gave birth. She also died. I mean, such a horror story. She also died. But before she died, she called the child Ichabod, no glory. The glory has departed because what gave glory to the temple is what? Is the presence. And we saw the same thing in, 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 our, in our Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? When in Matthew chapter 21 and, and other parallel verses in, 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 the, in the gospel, Matthew chapter 21 verses 12 to 13, the Bible, the Lord Jesus drove out people from the temple. He said they've torn the house of prayer. They've torn the temple into a den of thieves. A den of thieves. Den of thieves talk about growth, a cave, a resort. Unfortunately, a lot of our churches today has become a grotto, a resort center, a den of thieves, where it's not about the presence of God, where it's not about the purpose of the king, where the kingdom you know, work is not being done, where we are not seeking first the king and his kingdom. But we need to understand that what defines the temple is the presence of God. And the presence of God is about the kingdom of God. It's about the king. It's about his purpose. It's about his plan. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to take it up from here by the grace of God. We're going to stop, take it up from here because this is very, very important for us to understand. And if you are listening to me today, I want you to understand that this is what Christianity is all about. Christianity is not a religion. It's not a religion of do's and do's. It's not about you joining a club. It's about you being a member, being a part of this epic story that we are talking about. Being a citizen of his kingdom, experiencing a covenant with him, and becoming a temple of God where kingdom work can be done, where kingdom glory can issue forth out of your life, where the, the waters of life can flow out of you because you have become his kingdom. Do it today. How can you do, get this done? Is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We cannot enter into his kingdom until we are born again. Do it today. Bow down your head wherever you are. God is there. He will hear your voice. He will come in. He will save you. He will walk the rest of your life with you in this life. And when this is all over, you will spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth do it today. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.